Hi there. It's great to be with you. If you've got a Bible, do you want to turn to Psalm 8? Psalm 8. We are in a, I've been in a series on the Psalms and we've been looking at all of these wonderful, rich songs that help us. And I wanted to do a Psalm that's got nothing to do with the coronavirus and nothing to do with lockdown. We've mostly been looking at some of the classics as we've been going through the Psalms. Some of the really big, much loved uh, famous psalms and the one we're looking at today is a, a really like a personal favorite of mine it's the very first psalm that I ever preached on it's the very first bible passage I remember hearing a sermon on and I listened to it several times on tape and thinking wow this is amazing and so I love this psalm but I also wanted to speak on something that's got nothing to do with the coronavirus and is simply about the greatness and majesty of God so I hope that's going to be something that's going to be helpful for you as well uh, we're going to be reading psalm 8 beginning at verse 1. Let's read it together. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with glory and honour. You have given him dominion over the works of your hands, and put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field, the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the parts of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. If you know me at all, you'll know I have a thing about names, like I love talking to people about what their names mean and I love having back and forth about the fact that sometimes they mean very meaningful things and sometimes they mean kind of silly things. And one of the reasons I've got into that is because in the Bible, names are much more meaningful than, than they are in much of contemporary Britain, where most people just name their child something because they like the sound of the name. And so my name Andrew means man, but I wasn't called that because that's what the name sounds like it means it, because of what it meant. It's just, that was a nice sound, kind of like the name, like the fact that it's a little bit like the guy in the Bible, but the meaning of the name doesn't matter that much to a lot of modern people. And yet in the Bible, in, in scripture, names are extremely meaningful and they represent a person's whole character and their history and their identity and who they are. But in English, that's not what we do. So we don't really know what the word London means. It's not the kind of way we think about things. In the Pitcairn Islands, in the South Pacific, is a little bit different. I love this. Most of us probably never been to the Pitcairn Islands, but there are a group of islands in the South Pacific where names are not only a little bit like what the character of the place is, but they are like exactly what the history and nature of a place is in an almost comedy way. So when you walk and you're walking uphill, you are walking up what's called Hill of Difficulty until you get to the town at the top. There is a place called Down the God, which is a place where they first found and threw off casting down native idols. 
just known as Down the God. There's a place called Little George Coconuts, right? So we have places like London and Birmingham and Manchester, and they have a place called Little George Coconuts, which was owned by the son of a mutineer who had a coconut grove there. And then it gets worse when you get round the cliffs, round the edge of the islands. Some of you might have heard this before, but you walk round the edge of the islands on the Pitcairn Islands, and they're called things like Where Dick Fall, and Where Minnie Fall, and Where Freddie Fall, and Where Darren Fall, and my favourite is Tom Off, which you can kind of imagine exactly what it was. But the most enigmatic and mysterious place name on the whole of the Pitcairn Islands is simply called Oh Dear. That's the name of a place. Where do you live? Oh Dear. So, there are many cultures that function like that. I mean, it, the Pitcairn Island sounds funny because, in English because we're used to English words not having that level of meaning, but in many cultures they do. And in scripture, your name carries something of your history and your identity and your character. So when the psalmist says, how majestic is your name? He's not saying, I kind of like the sound of that word. He's saying, your your person is truly excellent and majestic and weighty. Your essence, your being is precious to me. It's unthinkably excellent and glorious. And actually the opening word of the psalm is the name of God. So when, when we you saw it on the screen, it said, O Lord in capitals, our Lord in lowercase letters. That's the name of God, Lord. And then his office, his, the fact that he's a master, a king, a lord. So, O Lord, our Lord, is like saying, O Boris, our Prime Minister. It's that, that's the idea. It's like the first one is the name and the second one is the title. And the rest of the psalm then gives us a sense of why it is that the name of God is majestic and excellent. It's because, verse 1, his glory has been set above the heavens, and yet at the same time, verse 2, he has established strength from the mouths of infants and babies to silence the enemy. And that contrast is at the heart of the biblical picture of God. You may or may, or may not worship the biblical God. You may or may not be a Christian as you're watching him for this service today. But this is at the heart of what we believe about God, that he is so high and lifted up that he is glorious higher than the heavens. And yet that he is so present. And so accessible to us in and through the person of the Lord Jesus, that he's the kind of person whom babies can establish praise and strength for. Because he's so accessible and so humble and so, so high and yet so low at the same time, if you will. He is utterly other than us, shining brighter than the sun. And yet he comes so close to us that even toddlers can declare his praise to put a sock in the mouth of the devil. That's what he says, to silence the enemy and the avenger. This is my son, Samuel. Some of you know him. You've probably not seen him for a while. Um, but just a few days ago, he floored me with this. We're just, I mean, he's just like a little boy, right? He's only recently been talking and chatting and so on. He's not yet gone to school. Uh, but we're just, I'm feeling a little bit blue and down in the dumps about everything that's been going on the other day. And he just says, kind of out of nowhere, let's pray. And as he does, something in me goes, oh, Lord, you have ordained strength. You have ordained praise from the mouths of infants and toddlers in order that the accuser, who was getting into my head at the time, might be silenced. And God is like that. He's a God whom a little child can praise and yet a God who has set his glory above the heavens. And theologians talk about that using the language of transcendence and imminence, right? Up there, otherness and very present here-ness at the same time. And God's name is majestic because he is praised by the cherubim 
and by the children. He's glorified in the planets and in the playgroup. Oh Lord, how Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And that's the same logic then that underpins the rest of the psalm and particularly the very famous bit in verses 3 and 4, which is where I want to spend the rest of our time today. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you've set in place, what is man, what is a human being that you are mindful of us and the son of man that you care for him? In other words, God, when I look at the sky, I am staggered by how powerful and glorious you are, and then I just can't get my head around how it is that you know who I am, let alone that you care for me in the way that you clearly do. And that fusion of the very high and the very low comes together in not just in verses 1 and 2, but in verses 3 and 4 as well. And when the psalmist is saying, I marvel at the sky, and it makes me astonished, shocked, that you would exercise any care whatsoever over someone as small as me. And I totally agree with him on this. I think about the sun for a moment. It's a picture of the sun, right? You're all familiar with its work, I'm sure. And you disappear from the sun too far on planet Earth, like they do in Antarctica for a few months a year, disappears to minus 70 degrees, right? We need this thing. This thing is vital for our lives. But it's 93 million miles away, and it's still, it takes light eight minutes to get there. The sun could have stopped when I started my message. It could have just disappeared, and we would only just now be finding out about it. Right? I, the illustration I remember using a, a long time back, I just couldn't but quite believe it was true, but that if the earth, all the earth, with everything on it, Mount Everest and the trenches and everything else, is the size of a pea, then the sun is 75 meters away. And the nearest star is in New Zealand. And I just marveled when I thought about the scale of the heavens. And this is just one star. It's just a particularly glorious one. But as I say, when it goes away, temperatures dip to minus 70. When it comes out in all its brilliance, you and I can't stay outside. We have to go inside and hide or shelter or wear a hat or go into air conditioning. The sun, you you could fit 330,000 versions of the earth into the sun. Every second The sun is belching forth energy at an astounding rate. It basically, every second, more energy is produced by the sun than human beings have collectively generated in our entire history. 90 million one megaton nuclear bombs coming off the sun in energy every second. It's it's losing five and a half million tons of its own mass every second, right? That's a million African bull elephants flying off the sun every second. It's getting a million elephants smaller every second right now, just sitting up there, not visibly getting any smaller. But these massive amounts of weight are coming off and the sun is so large that you don't even notice. And I don't think David, by the way, knew any of that stuff. I think David was simply looking in the sky and marveling and realizing that the God who created that was mindful of him. That was almost too terrifying to understand. Yet he has not only been mindful of us, he cares for us And he has made us just a little bit lower than the angels and crowned us with glory and honor. But that's that's just the start of it in the night sky. Let's step back a bit for a moment and consider something greater. This is the Horsehead Nebula. Isn't it beautiful? The pink glow there is caused by the hydrogen 
behind the nebula, which is lit up like a Christmas tree by the nearby Sigma Orionis. So what you can see, actually, the Horsehead Nebula, if you like, is practically on top of the left hand of the three stars in Orion's belt. When you look at the night sky and you see those three stars in a row, Orion's belt, the left hand one, this nebula is right in front of that, which is why it's lit up this way. Light travels at 5.88 trillion miles per year. It takes 1,600 years to get from the Horsehead Nebula to you. So this is a picture, not of what it looks like now, this is a picture of what it looked like 1,600 years ago, when the Roman Empire was still around. Right? If it had disappeared at the time of the Roman Empire, we would be finding out now. What we are seeing as we look at it, what, what it looks like now, will not be known to people on Earth until the year 3600. I think it's fair to say that human beings are generally pretty impressed with the things that we've made. Right? Cars, the internet, vaccinations, dishwashers, iPhones, breakfast cereals, soap operas. We quite like the things we've made. We think, eh, look at this stuff I've made, look what I've built. But I think it's also fair to say that when you look at the Horsehead Nebula, you find yourself aware that you are dealing with a creator of a different order. Lord, when I consider the heavens and the work of your fingers, not just mine, what is man? That you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. Now let's step back a bit further. Right, and look at something even greater. This is Ring Galaxy AM 0644-741. Right, it's a catchy title, I'm sure you'll agree. But this ring galaxy is formed by a collision between two galaxies. So what happens is when galaxies collide, they kind of pass through each other, and the individual stars don't very often come into contact with one another because there's obviously large spaces between the stars, so they kind of do this. And so the shape of this ring is caused by the gravitational disruption caused by an entire small galaxy passing through a large one. And that causes a wave of stars to cascade out like ripples on a pond. The blue ring you can see in this picture is 150,000 light years wide. So it takes light at 5.88 trillion miles a year. It takes light 150,000 years to travel from one side of it to the other. And it's made up of stars which even astronomers call extremely bright and massive stars. This Things like this, I, Isaiah didn't know this, David didn't know this, Moses didn't know this, but when they looked up, when Isaiah said, lift up your eyes on high and see, who created these? He who knows them all by name and calls them out by number, because he's strong in power, none of them are missing. And I think the fact that we know more about them than Isaiah and David and Moses actually increases the scale of glory that is due to the one who created it in our eyes. The ring galaxy is 300 million light years away. You travel at 5.88 trillion miles a year for 300 million years, and you'll get there. And in a tiny aside in Genesis 1, Moses says, he also made the stars. Also the stars. Now let's step back a bit and look at something even greater. Have a look at this short video that gives you some of the things that are even further out in space than the one we've just seen. He also made the stars. 
Hopefully the scale of all of this gives you the same perspective that it gives me. By most estimates, there are more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts of the entire world. People debate by how much it depends on the estimates, but a, a factor of 20 or so more stars in the sky than there are grains of sand on all the beaches and deserts in the world. And if that doesn't make you feel small enough, there are more atoms in one grain of sand than there are stars in the sky. Oh Lord, our Lord, how manifold are your works in wisdom have you made them all. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. And now let's step back a bit and see something even greater. All right, this is my favorite one. And this one is amazing and scripture says that it shows us the majesty and the glory of God more clearly than anything else. You ready? When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you've set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him. David had no idea how large were the heavens and how far away was the moon and how numerous were the stars. And nor did he have any idea how far God would go to show his mindfulness of humanity and how much he would care for the sons and daughters of man how far he would go to, if you like, crown them with glory and honour and restore them, us, to the place of privilege and dignity that he had created us for, yet ha which had been ruined by sin. David had no idea how far God would go at this point in time, and yet he could still use these things as reasons to praise the Lord for his excellent name. How much more can we, with the cross behind us, and the galaxies above us give thanks to him for setting his glory far above the heavens and demonstrating his love and care for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's pray together. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You've set your glory above the heavens out of the mouths of babies and infants, you have ordained strength that you might silence the enemy and the avenger. Oh Lord, when we consider, when we go out into the night sky and look up and see the glory of what you've made, the moon, the stars, the sun, the galaxies, we just cannot understand why you would understand who human beings are or care for us. And yet you've made us a little bit lower than angels and you've crowned us with glory and you've seated us above the entire animal kingdom and everything in it. Oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Hallelujah.